magical yeah absolutely <laughs> that was a tibetan singing bowl listener <laughs> what was there is there any grand significance in your choice to begin like that sean it just felt very prestige it yes absolutely um, yeah i don't know if i can say exactly why but i just kind of saw it sitting there on my mantle and it's like huh this prestige episode must begin with this the fact that this little bowl can make this yeah. sound as I as I move this wooden peg thing around its rim. Yeah, that is it is amazing that you hit it and it makes a sound. And depending on where you hit it, it makes a different sound. Right. And then you can rub all the way around it. And then that also makes a different sound. And yeah. then finally, you can blast it with electricity and make another one. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah, are all the things that, you can do. Yeah. That was that was part of the uh, the cut the cut scenes of the Prestige is when Tesla was <laughs> trying to some Tibetan singing bowls instead of Hugh Jackman's hat. Oh man, you know I think this is the earliest in any episode that we've named the movie. Uh, like, right. I think slowly you and I we haven't talked about this, but I think subconsciously we each have been like quick more quickly and quickly been naming the movie that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Cause it took us like 10 minutes of the David Lynch episode. <laughs> Blue velvet. <laughs> I mean, so cryptic. Yeah. I think some movies we like haven't even explicitly named until like a half hour in. We're like, Oh, by the way, like we've been talking about happy Gilmore this whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because like this one, if we were to like really go with the vibe of the movie, we'd really wait to say the name, you know, yeah. to have that sense of mystery. But I think it's like a good way to right off the bat, just like disrespect Christopher Nolan by just instantly saying the name of the movie <laughs> and disrespecting his entire attempt to like make things mysterious. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to get a little more into uh, a question that is, that is deep <laughs> in our, in in the the fabric of this podcast of like what is our relationship with chris nolan right um, a question there from the beginning because the first yeah. night we ever snobbed our our third snob and we were pretty wasted mm -hmm. was on inception yeah and how bad that movie is yeah yeah that that was the first snob we did that brought out a pretty high degree of rage and i think pretty yeah. specifically in myself <laughs> yeah you were very upset <laughs> Nolan has a way of really pissing me off. Yeah, I I agree. And um while for me it's it's not so much like a, a an utter contempt for him, it's it's often a baffling, a sense of being feeling baffled at um his hmm. sometimes oversight on certain details. You know, he I think he for the most part is a very detailed person um from what i know about his personal life and the way he works and the movies he makes he can clearly balance a lot and and make a story <laughs> and and that's evidenced by the fact that pretty much every one of his movies is a multiple storyline film uh usually playing with time which this one does in like in a very meta way actually i didn't realize it till like halfway through um and yet what, what do you mean a meta way it's like the story we are watching is coming through the diary of someone reflecting on the diary of events that happened. Something like that. 
Right. <laughs> so, which I hadn't realized. It's like Christian Bale is reliving Hugh Jackman's story by way of Hugh Jackman's diary, which is based off of Christian Bale's cryptic diary, which is based off of events <laughs> that happened. Something. Which is all based off of Tesla. <laughs> yeah. And all <laughs> Tesla Bowie. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Chris, so Chris Nolan, he'll do things that sometimes I'm like, are you kidding me? Or like, you didn't even work out this detail, which we'll get to later. But when it, when we come to like the whole Tesla kind of uh, cloning <laughs> stuff, there's a detail in there that makes no sense to me. So uh, do you, you want to come to that later or just say what it is? I, I think we have to come it, to that later. Come yeah, to I think we have to work. Okay. Anyway, I don't, so I don't even know why I started with that. But the point is... The, the point is, <laughs> this movie is... I don't maybe convoluted, but I mean that's just kind of like a given with a Nolan movie. <laughs> There's going to be multiple timelines. This one uh-huh. has three, yeah. I believe. Uh-huh. And I've been saying for years. I believe I've said this in our uh, Interstellar Inception episode that The Prestige is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Oh yeah, The Prestige and Batman Begins mm-hmm. have been like my favorites of his, like in an enduring kind of way. And this is the first time that I've revisited one of those since kind of declaring my loathing for Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a very conflicted viewing of this movie. Like, I still liked it, I think, but it also made me angrier than it has in the past. But it also feels like there's, I think we got to this, there's pre-Dark Knight Nolan and post-Dark Knight Nolan. Uh-huh. It seems like something changed with the Dark Knight. Like, Inception is a much different movie than The Prestige, even though they both play with, like, time and shit like that. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. This is a pre-Dark Knight. I forgot. But um, Yeah, this is pre-Dark Knight. This is this movie right before the Dark Knight. That's right. It, <clears throat> if I'm right, the only movie between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight? Yeah, he would do a Batman, another movie, Batman, another movie. <laughs> that's right. Batman, that was McConaughey. His... <laughs> <laughs> that's his style. <laughs> yeah. Now that he's done Dunkirk, who knows what's next? Yeah. Maybe he'll go war movie, another movie, war movie. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. And then cap it off with a McConaughey again. Right, right. (laughs) So at the three timelines of the prestige. So let's see. My head already hurts. Yeah. This is going to hurt my head. I know. (laughs) Describe a Christopher Nolan plot. I feel like he works these out to a certain degree. Like kind of maybe you could say to a sufficient degree and then he's just like yeah well the rest is going to be confusing yes i totally agree (laughs) like he doesn't work everything out it's almost Uh like he he thinks that things will happen through him almost and allow (laughs) like academics to study his films and put pieces together even though he has no idea what the fuck is going on or like why this particular timeline is suddenly edited in at this particular moment like this Mm -hmm. movie with fucking inception like you can tell which realm of the dream they're in due to like the laws of physics and like the setting this one you have no idea because the characters look the exact same yeah. in all three timelines and like i guess your your tip-offs are like that hugh jackman's holding a journal or something yeah <laughs> yeah like, good point yeah so we got like the original timeline which is when hugh jackman and bale were were buddies they were like two <laughs> up and coming <laughs> stage, magicians yeah stage hands for robert or robert j i think is the actor's name oh yeah the, some something j the portly man um, was that the portly man 
the portly man from yeah. Boogie Nights. Oh. <laughs> um, and then the, so we got that one when Bale inadvertently murders uh, Jackman's wife uh-huh. by drowning her. And then we've got the timeline of... Uh, <clears throat> See, that's of, it. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to be helpful with this. I don't know. I just... <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to the timelines for some reason. I was... I was only paying attention to the the journals. Well, I think that that's the second timeline is when Jackman has Bale's journal. Uh huh. Is that like and when maybe he's... those two timelines meet or something? Oh my god! And then the third timeline, yeah, because it starts with that second timeline. I think with Jackman in Bale's journal, and he's like, "This was the night after he met me." And then we like go back to when they were both like stage hand or like you know deck hands whatever the fuck you call those uh-huh. like side musicians <laughs> side magicians and then like the latter timeline is the one that gets going like right off the get-go when we see jackman drown and bale is just kind of like watching him oh yeah and so that's like the trial and then bale going to jail and mm-hmm. all that shit and michael kane's in all of them yeah michael kane is <laughs> <laughs> the first act is the pledge oh that's so that's such a chris nolan such a nolan thing it is such a nolan thing (laughs) how is that a nolan thing because it is but it's good i don't know why (laughs) i i was basically asking that exact question in my head as you were asking it and i don't know what it is but i feel like it's often i feel like a lot of times it has to do with how it's filmed and it's like a character usually the wise mentor so always (laughs) michael Caine. describing basically what is i don't know maybe kind of a theme or maybe a structure somehow describing something structural because chris nolan loves structure whether it's time or geometry he just loves it um Mm -hmm. so describing something structural like narrating kind of by way of um just uh exposition and like while he's narrating this we're like starting to they they then like cut away from michael kane and we're seeing like other things happening with michael kane voiceover and then we like come back to michael kane yeah who's like performing yeah he did this in interstellar and then in inception um i think leo dicaprio (laughs) i don't know why i decided to call him that leo Leo dicaprio dom Dom, yeah way easier uh dom is doing it during that like quote famous like five minute scene when he's describing how all this works to juno (laughs) so i i guess you're just describing like blatant exposition yeah blatant exposition that he covers up by like showing other action happening or like he's showing Mm -hmm. that which is being described in action like an example of it whereas like okay yeah like a less veteran director would probably just have that character explaining like which is yeah, really like boring that would be the scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's also the the nolan element of just like bringing such dramatic awareness to like these lines of dialogue that someone's yeah. saying where it's like this is so important yeah and like <laughs> you know in interstellar when michael kane is like do not go gently into that good night yeah and like says that like eight times mm-hmm. it's like oh okay you're trying to bring attention to this Thanks, yeah. Jonathan Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something about that. It is overly dramatic and it's annoying. Yeah, uh, and pretentious and yeah. It just gets yeah, it gets annoying, more annoying upon like s- successive viewings, and you know that like 
the movie is going to end with yeah. those lines too. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is how you're going to bring it full circle. Uh-huh. And you're going to be like, whoo, yeah. <laughs> I'm the real magician. <laughs> These guys are phonies. I'm the one you don't see behind the curtain. I'm Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Nolan, he's just like setting himself up as this this master illusionist yeah, so in this movie. When you say Chris right there, I thought you were giving a nickname to Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I was like, you're right. Christian Bale is kind of the illusionist at the end. <laughs> I guess he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like Chris Nolan must have like seen Penn and Teller in Las Vegas and must have thought to himself like, wow, magicians are bad ass and then decided to make a movie <laughs> and they found this book because it's based on a novel. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like he must, have, he must have like found this book because they really... <laughs> I mean, they were, they really make magicians seem really fucking cool. And I don't think <laughs> that's ever been a stereotype of magicians. Not against, not nothing against magicians. They're amazing, but I don't think they're like fucking badass. And this, this movie tries to kind of make them seem that way. I don't know. David Blaine's super BA. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, hey, watch me do this. Watch, watch me do this. Hey. <laughs> super cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. think, I mean, I, I feel like maybe in turn of the century England, maybe magicians were like super yeah. cool because I guess this is like, I don't know. I don't know shit about history, but I but, would imagine like science wasn't quite what it is today. Like, obviously there's a lot going on in terms of like scientific research because we got, you know, Tesla up in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> There's, I don't, I don't know. I, it seems like maybe more of this, this confusion over whether it's like real magic or demon sorcery. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people kind of like play into that, into that wonder. Yeah. That's and a, that's a good point. Cause it, Chris Nolan makes it sci-fi. He does. It's all happening at that point in time when like, yeah, you're right. Like the science is like not totally understood. And so. There are these thoughts of like, ooh, like mystery and shit. You know, I, I just, I think I realized something about this movie. This, I think this, it would be beneficial, at least for me, to quickly do a, a brief rundown of the plot. Sure. Cause, yeah. cause I'm realizing like, I, even though I have seen this movie several times and I knew exactly where it was going, I still found myself confused as I watched it because you have to be working so much with your mind because this whole plotline thing that like, I feel like even though I watched it 24 hours ago, I have already forgotten a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. How, how do you feel about an OGGS? OGGS. Yeah. yeah. I'm down. Cool. What is this movie about? This movie is about two magicians and I think it's like 1890s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, who let's see. They, yeah, this one's tough. Yeah, they're they're basically they don't like each other. Yeah, but initially they kind of they're, they're they work together, but they they you can tell they're a little antagonistic. Yeah, a little antagonistic. Bale's this like brash kind of like you know Cockney British guy, mm-hmm. and Jackman's you know this kind of like straight edged American. Like, yeah. well, I don't trust him. Yeah, <laughs> Jackman's Jackman's pretty lame in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a good actor, but his character sucks. Yeah, his character is a douche. Yeah, big douche. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. So they were working together and... Um, With the portly man. 
with the portly man and they have an argument over how to tie a knot on mm-hmm. the wrist. So since it's a Christian or a, a, Chris Nolan it's a movie, Christian film, a Christian Nolan movie, <laughs> a Christian allegory <laughs> against the devil, then, you know, when this argument happens that it's going to lead to this woman's death. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. does like two scenes later, mm-hmm. Jacqueline gets really mad. He's like, what kind of knot did you tie Bale? And Bale's like, I can't remember. Yeah. He's like, you can't remember? You can't remember? <laughs> Just kind of screams that. And then they start terrorizing each other's acts over and over by like showing uh-huh. up and like fucking up their tricks and like hurting audience members and trying to make the other look silly. Yeah. And then. Silly. <laughs> they, they basically start this try to one up each other type of thing. Yeah. And like to absurd proportions and Jackman starts going kind of mad with obsession on how how Bale is able to do the transported man mm-hmm. which is this this trick that's gaining some notoriety even though Bale has like no stage presence and Jackman's you know this this great showman yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> I do I do I've thought that many times actually <laughs> raising his cane high with his top hat <laughs> his Wolverine smile <laughs> I don't think Wolverine's ever smiled <laughs> <laughs> and um so he becomes so obsessed with learning how to do the transport of man even though his mentor michael kane at least 30 times in the movie says he's using a double <laughs> jumbo he's, he's, he's using a dubbo <laughs> d-u-b-o-w dubbo <laughs> it's a dubbo <laughs> going so far even to find a dubbo yeah. for Jackman in the form of a, a very drunk Jackman. Yeah, yeah, with like a, a slightly prosthetic nose and like some different teeth. <laughs> Seems like maybe a smaller head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to the point where I, I kept questioning like, is that Hugh Jackman? Yes, like- <laughs> yes, I've thought that many times. Like it is, but it's like it looks different enough that it's like, wow, they they did not skimp on this. Yeah, and his acting is so good as that yeah, guy yeah. that, like, he's legitimately a different human being. Yes, <laughs> like, he is. I don't know how he did that. I know. Uh, yeah, some of the best acting that has ever appeared in a Chris Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's that guy. Uh, and then, well, that double kind of betrays him, and so he gets super obsessed mm-hmm. and starts doing some kind of darker and darker things, going a little Faustian, if you know mm. what I mean, starting to kind of sell his soul to the devil yeah. in order to, to gain the knowledge, and um, ultimately seeks out Tesla. Tesla, yeah. Yeah, he sells his soul to the, to the Tesla. Uh, <laughs> he sells his soul to the Tesla, yeah. And I have to say that when I've, this, this whole movie has a very distinctive style, um, and it takes place in this sort of like, you know, yeah, late, late 1800s london yeah great costumes great settings yeah really great um but so much of the movie is is like intrigue and different storylines and people crossing each other happening yeah Yeah. and like and just like you know that like bad things are continuing to spiral that like the only like scenes of reprieve that i have ever felt in this movie are the scenes with tesla and (laughs) Those are the scenes that I always look forward to the most. I'm just like, yeah, thank God. Like, finally, we're at Tesla's place. I'm like, we get to see David Bowie as Tesla, which is just so awesome. And there's only like three Tesla scenes. Yeah. Little, pretty minimal screen time for Tesla Bowie. Uh But yeah, they are memorable. And um, from the beginning, Jackman, you know, goes to 
to Tesla's gateway and gets shocked with electricity because mm-hmm. Tesla liked electricity. Yeah. And uh, he's greeted by Gollum. Smeagol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gollum is the intermediary between Wolverine and t- <laughs> and Labyrinth Man, <laughs> and Labyrinth Man, and Starman Bowie. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a there's a funny scene when when Smeagol, Andy Circus, I believe is his name. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. Andy Circus. Um, he's uh, saying like, "Oh, you guessed what was in everyone's pocket." I saw you do the show one time, and as he's walking away. He said, what am I holding? And, J- and Jackman just goes, your watch. But I thought it was funny because in the, there's a famous scene in The Hobbit where uh, Bilbo asks Smeagol, what do I have in my pocket? And uh, it's a riddle. Riddles in the dark. Hobbit chapter. And um, Smeagol gets very mad and guesses three times. Doesn't get it right. Anyway, I hoped that somewhere, somewhere Chris Nolan knew that he was kind of referencing The Hobbit. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What does Bilbo have in his pocket? He has the ring. He he's not even asking a riddle. He's just like he's talking to himself, like, "What do I have in my pocket?" And Smeagol huh. thinks it's a riddle, and he's like, "You have to give me three guesses." And I think he he guesses keys. Well, I think one of his guesses is keys or nothing. <laughs> Which I think is such a funny single guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy Circus, Gollum. Um, he's also uh, Caesar. Kong. Oh, Caesar. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he got totally <laughs> typecasted as the put on the blue suit with dots all over your body guy. <laughs> he just like became that guy. Thanks to Peter Jackson. Like, <laughs> like oh, circus is your guy. <laughs> you need someone to dance around in front of a screen and do it well. <laughs> well, there's only circus. It <laughs> is so funny that he is typecasted as that because it's not like he's like some young, ex- extremely agile man. Like he has to be in his fifties by now. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. It's always good to see him like as like an actual man, like yeah. as himself, as just a normal actor. Like he was in uh, Black Panther. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, just straight up Andy Circus. Uh huh. <laughs> he was also in the return of the king as smeagol which i think threw everyone for a loop when he talked and he still had smeagol's voice i was like yeah oh. that's i think one of those parts of the movie that just didn't really age well no, like it did not everyone was so excited when it came out like they saw in the theaters and it's the first scene like oh, okay this is kind of weird but like i guess I'll, I'll roll with it like yeah you know this has been a great series then you watch it now yeah it's like, this is fucking weird like <laughs> yeah. why did you decide to do this oh so <laughs> 500 years of I'm I'm totally tol- Tolkieny, <laughs> yeah, starring uh, the architect. Uh, <laughs> oh, the architect is actually Ellen Page, who oh, referred yeah. to earlier as as Juno, but you, but you just called Joseph Gordon-Levitt the the architect. What is he? What is he again? I don't know. Like he's just like the sidekick. <laughs> wow, Inception is really stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just ditch the prestige and rip on Inception again. <laughs> We've done that a couple times. I'm pretty sure <laughs> we just ditched yeah, the movie yeah. we're talking about. And you should know, listener, that even though only one person listens to this podcast, hundreds of people come to generalsnobbery.com yeah. <laughs> on a, a monthly basis because. Um, if you Google Inception sucks, our article about how much Inception sucks is the first thing that comes up. Which is and just so, so amazing. 
Yeah, we're very, very pleased about that. So every couple, every couple weeks, we'll get like a new comment from an Inception hater that just kind of talks about how all his friends love Inception and he just gets very angry every time someone loves Inception. So it's nice that the uh, Inception hatred community is kind of, you know, finding general snobbery. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like you said, it's at the foundation of this podcast. So right, it makes right. sense. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, there was something stupid I was I was talking about, but it's not important. Yeah. Well, I think we ended up with Jackman going to Tesla. Yeah. And he ends up paying a lot of money for a machine that he's that, like heard about or something, right? Yeah. I think like at one stage performance, uh, Bale has like some electricity thing going on on the stage, and like has that in the backdrop when. Uh, when he does the transported man mm. and then like Jackman captures his, uh, his assistant Fallon and, Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> and in order to uh, release Fallon back to Bale, he asked for like the code, the secret to Bale's notebook. And it's just the single word Tesla. That's right. So Jackman becomes convinced that he's using, that Bale is using some kind of like Tesla technology <laughs> in order to, <laughs> To transport himself. It's and, so uh, funny. Eventually, Tesla makes a machine where Jack Man becomes Jack Men. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Jackman uses that machine, and we find out at the end just exactly how he was using that machine, which the movie really starts to spiral, I think, once, once Jackman starts using that machine, because there are too many open-ended <laughs> questions that are just not accounted for, which just kind of kind of left me upset and now i'm like <laughs> kind of actually really mad because i'm like uh it, it, it kind of pulled a lost i feel like the the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes of this movie really pulled a lost and it was like don't worry you're gonna be so dazzled by how we end this that you're you're gonna forget to ask the questions like well, whatever happened to this? Or why didn't Michael Caine do this? Because if I just, sorry, I have to jump ahead. I think the thing that made me the most mad is, so listener, what ends up happening is Christian Bale, and we find this out from the very beginning. Christian Bale is on trial for killing Hugh Jackman's character. Um, the story goes that during this performance, Christian Bale slides a big water tank under a secret trap door and puts a real lock on it. And so Hackman drowns. Well, Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman drowns. <laughs> you thought I was Jackman, but really I'm Hackman. Hackman. <laughs> I'm so glad I called him that. Uh, so the Hoosier drowns. Uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor. Um, so Jackman drowns and he's put on trial and this whole thing is like, Oh, he clearly murdered Jackman because they've been mad at each other for years, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But and then anyway, fast forward a little bit. Christian Bale is found guilty. He's sentenced to die. And mm -hmm. in the in the in between time between the, the trial and when Hackman fuck <laughs> and when Christian Bale <laughs> between the trial when when Christian Bale is sentenced to death and before he is hanged. There is a period of time during which time Michael Caine finds out how Hugh Jackman has been doing this trick with the Tesla machine, which has literally been creating Jackman clones. <laughs> he finds out that fucking Jackman 
did this, set up Christian Bale, and is now living as Lord Caldlow. Who the fuck <laughs> is this? How the fuck did he become a fucking lord? What is this? It's fucking joke. Everyone in the fucking British Royal Society would be like, um, I've never heard of a Lord Caldlow, and I've never seen you before. Actually, I have seen you on your fucking poster. You're that magician. How the, yeah, what the fuck? you're fucking American. Yeah. Sorry. This is actually making me really mad. Fucking Michael Caine, who's like the only sweetheart in this movie, finds this out and he can fucking save Christian Bale. He sympathizes with Christian Bale because he realizes fucking douchebag Jackman. Sorry, I'm really mad. Has become a goddamn monster. And he's been creating these clones and letting them drown. And he even says like drowning is terrible because I knew that sailor and he said it's agony when you're drowning. Uh And... (laughs) So he finds out that that Gene Hackman is a total monster, and he has plenty of (laughs) – wow, their names are just like backwards, basically. (laughs) Just only refer to him as Gene Hackman throughout the rest of the episode. (laughs) Wow. Oh, God. Gene Hackman the monster. <laughs> He's just cracking Whew. open. Yeah, yeah. man. See, fi- yeah, right. he, like he, there was there was time. I, I don't know. Maybe they fucked up when they edited this. I don't know what they fucking did, but there was plenty of time, according to the way the movie is, for Michael Caine to go to the prison and and go to the judge and be like, "Whoa, I was wrong. I just found something out." And yeah, right, because it was like his testimony that essentially got exactly. Bale like, locked yeah. up, so he's pretty culpable. Which, by the way, in his testimony, he failed to mention the fact that Christian Bale started trying to break open the glass. Right. Like, he just yeah, was, that tra- he was <laughs> literally trying to save him and like <laughs> yeah. screaming, like, somebody, grab the help! Yeah. <laughs> but he was using a dubbo. A dubbo. So that kind of made me mad. I, I was like... What the fuck? I yeah. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. Yeah, and especially because like in the final scene, yes. Kane and Bale are like friends. Yeah. <laughs> like like Bale who has been using a double Bale, the whole time, yeah. which uh-huh. is like so fucking anticlimactic. Uh-huh. Like literally what Michael Kane has said like 80 times yeah. is actually what's happening. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, you didn't realize it even though I told you. Yes. <laughs> I'm the illusionist. <laughs> That's a different movie. Oh yeah, Eisenheim. <laughs> yeah, I, I, is that was that uh, Giamatti or was that that's, Norton? Uh, that's Norton. <laughs> yeah, it's based on a story called Eisenheim: The Illusionist really? by Stephen Milhauser. Really uh, good short story. Really. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's much better than the movie. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, like Bale's double, who has been Fallon in double. disguise. You know, mm-hmm. they're literally just like twins. He. Goes and gets his daughter, who for some reason Michael Caine is watching over, and Michael Caine kind of like nods at him, like, yeah. yeah. Even though like this double should be like, fuck you, man, like you made yeah. my brother die. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, like so clearly he had like affection, and he realized at some point along the way, Michael Caine realized that Hugh Jackman, <laughs> can't believe I got yes. it right, uh, got it. was becoming a monster because of his obsession, and that Christian Bale, I think he probably realized that he you know just made a mistake and whatever and um yeah he's watching after his daughter it's just yeah it's all fucked. yeah 
were there other like inconsistencies that pissed you off? Because basically with this Tesla machine, we get a copy yes. of Jackman and Jackman kills either the copy or the original. And which at one point he remarks that he didn't know each night which one he was going to be. Right. So there's a, a interesting like philosophical question uh-huh. I guess, that results from this. Um, are, you, are you aware of the ship of Theseus? I am. Yeah. So I, I, from what I understand about the ship of Theseus, which is like a famous philosophical thought experiment, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, some old Greek guy got to wondering, like, if you have a ship and you replace every component part of that ship, is it still the same object? Yeah. Or is it like a fundamentally new thing? Mm-hmm. And so, like, with these multiple hackmans, is this a new, like, a... a exact copy because it has i don't know like the same parts or is it a fundamentally new hackman yeah like what's and what happens to consciousness like exactly really explore those which no kind of a shame because it could Mm -hmm. but it just kind of presents them in the last like 10 minutes as questions and then the movie ends with michael Caine saying that the first act is the blah blah blah. The yeah. second is the turn. Exactly, ending that very Chris Nolan, like ending the <laughs> ending the movie with the exact same uh, narration from the beginning. I feel like yeah, he's done that like in a couple bullshit others. Metal, yeah, mm-hmm. bullshit metal line, something yeah. like, and the audience never knew what hit them. Yeah, and it's supposed to be heartwarming, but like, it is a sadness. I mean, the girl, good. The girl has a dad, even though. He's like half her dad because he was Fallon, <laughs> which oh sometimes yeah just sometimes yeah you know you were saying it's a shame that they didn't go into the consciousness stuff and yeah that confused me especially because Jackman did say he's like Do you know how hard it was he's like each night I didn't know if I was gonna be the the duplicate or the I don't know but like what and and then he would have had to plan the night that somehow he would have had to plan bail going beneath the stage to frame him to make it look like he he killed Jackman. Right, because yeah, cuz the act is where he like, you know, reappears mm-hmm. somewhere else in the auditorium. So, I was confused about that too, like cuz he obviously didn't reappear or else everyone would know he was still alive. Yeah. So did he just like sense that Bale was like there and like <laughs> going don't... down? He's like, "Ooh, this is my chance." <laughs> <laughs> like I bet Michael Caine's going to run down there and see him. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. It seemed like a very convoluted a way to to guarantee that or something yeah yeah and here's another question who was fallon is that a twin or mm-hmm. or is it a, a tesla duplicate is there a chance that he was a tesla duplicate mm, i think he was just a twin so right, had, I, mean, I guess i guess it's possible could be uh-huh. a tesla duplicate tesla said he never made that machine before you're right i always assumed it was just a twin and there's an this interesting moment when bale sort of realizes he's going to do that. And I think it's after they see the Chinese magician who like lives his whole life as if he's like an old bent over man. Right. But he, it's all part of his act. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at that moment that Bale decides to do that. Cause then that's the first time after that we meet Fallon and he says something to his wife, like he's going to be spending a lot of time around here or something. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now what one thing I noticed in this movie, a Nolan trend is something that very much pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've said before that Chris Nolan and Jonathan Nolan, like when they write 
a script, they tend to have very two-dimensional female characters. Mm-hmm. And they tend to just like be the impetus for male action. Uh-huh. All these fucking Chris Nolan movies have, like, the woman love interest just fucking die. And then the male gets mad and starts to, like, change his behavior accordingly. And that, like, sets off wow. the entire thing. That happens in Memento. His uh-huh. wife got killed, so he's, like, trying to figure out why. Um, that happens in The Prestige when, like, in the beginning, Jackman's wife dies. It happens in The Dark Knight when Rachel dies. It happens in Inception when uh-huh. Marion Cotillard kills herself yeah. and Dom Cobb gets sad. And <laughs> apparently uh, Matthew McConaughey doesn't have a wife uh-huh. in <laughs> Interstellar. It's like, dude, like, there are other motivations for male action than, like, a wife killing herself or dying, wow. like... <laughs> and women are more complicated than like just being these like beings who die. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. It's like every single fucking movie. And then, and then Dunkirk didn't even have women. Yeah, Dunkirk and, had zero women, yeah, so it doesn't even qualify. Exactly. And like in in his defense, because uh, I know this was a big thing when it came out, and of course. Usually two disagreeing sides can't find any common ground or even a way to speak. But like it oh, is. Really? I feel like people usually uh, find a way <laughs> yeah. to, to heal. That's the one thing we excel at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a war movie about a couple soldiers in the midst of battle. But there was plenty of space for to to go into the life of one of the many females who were on the boats that saved the the, the guys at Dunkirk. But instead he chose... Mark Rylance and kind of that <laughs> kind of that dorky actor, that brunette dorky actor who who's in Ready Player One. Did you see Ready Player One? I did not. No. Holy fuck! That movie is awful. <laughs> I figured it was really it bad. Was horrific. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. I don't trust contemporary Spielberg. Yeah, me neither. This was like I literally feel like. Wow, I can't believe the image just just came into my mind. Like it was kind of the movie was kind of I can't believe I'm even going to say this. Um so that here's what happened. Ready <laughs> I really can't believe I'm going to say this, but no one's listening. So Ready Player 1 yeah. was so what happened was Steven Spielberg took all of his movie posters that he uh, of the movies he's ever made. He also took the posters of movies he likes like Star Wars and and that sort of stuff and then he proceeded to masturbate to them. And <laughs> And that's what that's what Ready Player One happened. <laughs> oh, the damn, collective vision of his masturbatory endeavor just like became Ready Player One. <laughs> I see it so clearly. Why, why did I mention Spielberg? How did Ready Player One? Oh, oh, because we were saying yeah. So that Chris Nolan, that that actor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this, but that actor who was in Ready Player One and the helper boy to Mark Rylance in Dunkirk. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Again, Chris Nolan could have chosen a woman there. Um, anyway, there's no reason for me to go into this, but I, I don't think, I don't know why that, I don't know why that guy gets any roles. Like, yeah, he, he's very guy. bad. He's probably like the son of some, like, producer. <laughs> yeah, like, he doesn't know how to, I don't think he knows how to experience emotion, which I think is a huge part of acting. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why he does well in a Chris Nolan movie. Yeah, he just looks sad the whole time. Yeah, there is zero emotion in any Chris Nolan movie. 
No. So he has to rely on Hans Zimmern. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Zimmer. Um, Zimmer or Zimmer? Zimmer. I always forget. I guess probably no Chris Nolan movie would pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, I can't think it would. Because I noticed in this movie, even the women, like they were pretty much only like all their lines were just like talking about Bale and Jackman. Mm-hmm. Like they and, don't have autonomy. Yeah. And, and one of the one of the parts of the Bechdel test is women have to talk to each other. And I don't mm. think I don't think two women talk to each other in this movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, two women die actually. Another woman yeah. kills herself later. Yeah, Bale's wife, and then Scarlett, jo- <laughs> Scarlett Johansson disappears. Yeah, where the fuck did she go? I thought about that after the movie. I was like, whatever happened to her? There was no closure for that character. I don't. <laughs> I can't right. even remember. I can't even remember where we just stopped seeing her. It's like yeah. almost there's like a. A good portion of the movie left where she's just absent. She has no exit. I think at one point it's like, you know, Bale's wife has died and she's like, you can talk about it. Like, I, she, you know, you were with her a long time or, you know, you were close to her or something. And they're at like a restaurant. And then I think that's the last time we see her. We never see her again at any Bale performance. And she's never, she's never referenced. <laughs> and she had something to do with the plot. I don't remember what. Like somehow she... She yeah, screwed she, over Jackman because cause she, she was in between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Like some messenger and just instantly she fell in love with Bale for no reason. <laughs> There's no scene that shows them together. She just comes back to Jackman. She's like, I do love him now. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, that is not how love works, man. Like, <laughs> you gotta like spend time together to <laughs> have that happen yeah and you can be For around i obsessed with time like <laughs> yeah you're right he sometimes doesn't let things that take time take time in a movie <laughs> like for instance characters drowning because they drown in about 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> two times <laughs> oh my god yeah you're right I, I'm going to make a fan theory that all Chris Nolan movies take place in a dream in Inception. <laughs> There's no reason not to. Yeah. Might as well. That's some, some layer of the dream. Exactly. Yeah. This movie could be interpreted as the, the three layers of the dream. Yeah. yeah. Then the, where's Limbo? <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe they're living in Limbo. Maybe one of them is. <laughs> also, uh, another thing about time Chris Nolan doesn't understand is when someone is shot and they hit vital organs... That according to Chris Nolan, by way of this movie, it it doesn't physically affect them except for that it makes them fall to the ground, and then they're able knees. to their knees, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then they are able to hold a five minute conversation during which time their skin tone does not change or they appear to be in no pain, and then they die because <laughs> that's exactly what happened to Hugh Jackman. He got shot, fell to his knees, carried on a very long conversation with Christian Bale, and then just died. Yeah, not only did he carry on a long conversation, he instantly realized the trick. <laughs> it's like, it was a double. <laughs> like, why the double. fuck did you just realize this now? Yeah. That it was a double. Like, you've literally just been completely, like, unreceptive to that idea yeah. for, like, seemingly years. And then now that he shot you, it's like, it seems that he would think that he, like, escaped. Like, oh, you escaped the, the jail. Wow. What's your illusion now? Yeah. She's like, it was a double because right. well we need to learn because it's the end of the movie so since chris nolan doesn't give a shit about character it's just like oh okay we'll deliver exposition through this vehicle yeah 
Oh man. Yeah. You're so right. Like what hubris? Why at, at no point did he ever say, maybe it is a double. Um, his, his argument was like, it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Too obsessed to see the truth right in front of his eyes. Yeah. I think my, speaking of Hugh Jackman kind of getting upset and having pride or something, my least favorite line in the movie, which could also be interpreted as my favorite line. Do you know what I'm talking about? Cause I, no, I Snapchatted no. it to you. Um, oh, okay. I didn't catch it. Yeah. Oh, no problem because Snapchat now sucks and no one ever opens yeah, it anymore. Snapchat is just going <laughs> wow, down. They failed. <laughs> yeah. They really just plummeted like right when Instagram made like Instagram stories, they were done. <laughs> they were like, I have an idea. We'll make our, our interface nearly impossible to navigate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Idiots. It was so easy. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. It's, I, I think I've sent about four Snapchats in the past, like six months or whatever. And, um, this was one and it was Hugh Jackman in Colorado translating <laughs> Christian Bale's cryptic diary. And he, he gets to the point where Christian Bale writes about the knot that he used. And he says in his diary, like, I, I don't remember. Like some nights I go here. Some nights I think it's here. Some nights I think it was this knot, whatever, blah, 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 which. Maybe he didn't know because when Hugh Jackman would ask him, he was actually asking Fallon. <laughs> uh, and maybe that's why Fallon, uh, he didn't know. But the point is, in the diary, he's like, I just don't know. And then Hugh Jackman screams, how doesn't he know? <laughs> and then he like makes this face. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah, so that's, stupid. Uh, the second scene, I think, where... Hugh Jackman screams about not knowing also at the funeral when Bale shows up and he's walking away after saying he doesn't know. It's like, you don't know? <laughs> yeah, you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think like a final, final thought that I had on this, on this film is, uh, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if Tesla cars would be as popular as they are if they weren't for this weren't for this movie. <laughs> I feel like this movie paved the way for a cultural consciousness of Tesla. That, you know, it did, and uh, I I think consciousness <laughs> is certainly something Chris Nolan loves um, because I forgot it was Tesla, but but many people you know would have seen this and they're like Tesla, like what what's Tesla? Who's Tesla? And they would have looked him up right. and found out that mm-hmm. he's a real person, you know, because right. We all know, like, in terms of, like, electricity, it's like, I almost said Henry Ford, but it's all about Thomas Edison. And, like, as recently we found out that, like, Nikola Tesla had so much to do with early advances in electricity and, in fact, was a way more awesome person than Thomas Edison, who apparently was just a huge fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> and they make him that way in this movie. Like, he never appears, but, like, uh-huh. he sends his cronies to, like, mess up Tesla's research. Yeah. Uh, so he can be the best. Exactly. But so Tesla, I, I think it's only a matter of time before a movie comes out about Tesla. And um, yeah, I hope I, H. Macy plays him. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah. He's kind of old, though. Nikola H. Tesla is what they should call him. <laughs> <laughs> Who else could play a good Tesla? Adrian Brody, perhaps. Adrian um, Brody. But he's, he yeah. seems to be a little annoying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe just a Wes Anderson Tesla movie and have Jason Schwartzman play it. <laughs> that would be so hilarious. <laughs> a Wes Anderson movie about Tesla. <laughs> I would be way more excited about that than like, I don't know, fucking Spielberg. Or yeah, same, same. Even Scorsese. Yeah. 
Oh my god, it'd be so funny. You would have like uh uh let's see who you would have. Uh Bill Murray playing President Teddy Roosevelt. Um <laughs> <laughs> Edward Norton as Edison. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Find a way to get Hackman in there. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's just kind of a it's Nolan with a, a dash of steampunk. Uh yeah. a lot of lot of Jackman, a lot of clones. Mike, Michael Bowie. Kane. No, not a lot of Bowie. But yeah, not, an, Bowie. not enough Bowie. More Tesla, more Bowie. Yep. Um, don't know if I have a final verdict on this one. I probably won't watch it again for a long time. I'm not Same. even sure if I'm going to keep saying that this is my favorite Nolan movie. Yeah. It, there are things I like about it. I enjoy watching it for the most part. Same. But uh, I think Batman Begins might be his finest effort. Yeah, I agree. I think I... Interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, it might be the only one, too, where female character doesn't die yeah you're right unless you count bruce wayne's mom oh right yeah right off the bat but she she died as part of a duo as the wayne parents yeah so. yeah and she like mm-hmm. was basically forgotten it was all about like the death of the dad <laughs> she's just kind of like there and then the dad you know it's like that's right be a good boy or whatever like his her- heroic final lines <laughs> Oh, yeah, that movie that movie's du- has a dubbo. Uh, Watanabe and, Le- and Neeson, they, oh, they're kind of dubbos. They are dubbos. You're yeah. right. Um, I, I wanted to call him Kaiser Sose. <laughs> <laughs> also a dubbo. <laughs> yeah, he's a Tisa dubbo. Yep, something uh, uncanny about dubbos. So there's there's something uncomfortable about the dubbo. Yeah. Which I think Nolan... Yeah, the doppelganger. Yeah, the doppelganger. Which uh-huh. Nolan must know. Yeah. Maybe mm. he himself, maybe Jonathan Nolan is just his dubbo. <laughs> no one's ever seen Jonathan Nolan ever. Right. And, and if they have, no, they haven't. Right. They think they have. It's, it's really actually just, just his Fallon. Yeah. It's Chris Nolan who dresses differently and puts on makeup to look like a different person. Yeah. It's Fallon. Yeah. It's his Fallon. Predictive programming, man. They've been telling us the secrets all along and preparing exactly. us for Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. We are living in a simulation after all. Maybe Chris Nolan is Elon Musk. <laughs> Maybe you're this not is all South a- African, you're British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is we are yeah, this is just a big simulation, or as we would think well, of it today, a, a yeah, dream. A dream. And it yeah. fucking interstellar, they fucking go to Mars, don't they? No, maybe not Mars, but they're going oh, to other planets. Yeah, certainly. There's, yeah, more Elon Musk preparatory material. You're right. You're right. Chris Nolan is just getting us ready for the advances the, that Elon Musk today's Tesla is going to put into the world. Elon Musk is Bowie. Yeah, he is. Fuck. In 2006, 12 years ago, he prepared <laughs> us for Tesla. A couple years ago, he prepared us for colonizing a new planet. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to chart the commonality between Elon Musk and... And Chris <laughs> Nolan, there's like a like like a four year like yeah. period or something in like where Chris Nolan's getting people prepared. You're right. Yeah, for uh, his alter ego, Elon Musk, to finally take over. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe uh, some of the uh, technological stuff in the Dark Knight, like the or in Batman Begins, like the cape, the material that can become solid. Maybe maybe that's going to come out in a couple years. And I don't even remember that material. Uh, some that Morgan uh, Freeman gives him. Yes, exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, well, it's it's always fun to talk about Chris. Um, yep. And uh, always it's get always some new insight. 
Yeah, definitely. Some some new insights, some new theory that we decide to just hold on to as truth from here on out. Right. And uh and some confusion. That's what he's good for. Yeah. Yeah. Confusion, um, women hating. A little dash of cane. A little dash of cane. Uh, a lot of white people. Yeah. And plots that seem really cool for one go around and then the more you watch them the more you just come to really hate the movie yeah that is exactly what a lot of his movies do yeah you know you got something like fucking fight club and somehow uh-huh. even when you know the twist and you like are looking for clues it still gets better because the twist has like philosophical resonance whereas the it, twist in this movie is just showmanship it's just it's like it's a twist wow it's this has been happening and yeah like, oh my no god depth to it so after like this you ah. know, the second time it's like oh i see right there it's probably fallon and yeah. then like after that it's like <laughs> wow. okay like now there's no point in watching this because the twist means nothing i just like realized a Shyamalan something twist. Uh, what'd you realize? Something about this movie. This movie, a huge theme of this movie is like once you learn the secret of a magic trick, it's no longer interesting. And mm. even Michael Caine like screams that as he's being judge <laughs> testified by the judge. He's like, <laughs> oh, I'm in an edge of strike where blah, blah, blah. And like, <laughs> so the idea is like once you reveal the secret of the magic trick, it's no longer f- entertaining. And this movie, assuming it's just one big magic trick at the end, just re- tells you how it did it. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like you just set yourself up for like yeah, yeah. being a bad movie over time. It did exactly <laughs> it have repeat value. Yeah, it totally went against what it said. It did exactly what you said. It said it should not do throughout the entire movie, and then the movie did it. And then it's like, okay, neat, neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. A last point about you mentioned Kane. This. This movie has more Kane yelling than I think any other Chris Nolan movie. Yeah. Like Michael Kane is always just Michael Kane, you know, like some mentor figure who's like ends up being this moral compass. But in this one he does a he does a good deal of yelling. Yeah. About dubbos. I agree, and I didn't like it, actually. Yeah. Uh yeah, well thank you, listener, for being confused with us as always. And um that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Chris that's Nolan. It. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing spectacular to end this one. It's just disappointment. Yeah, just watch out for the dubbos in your life. Yeah. yeah beware the dubbos unless unless they're Fallon. Fallon's yeah. got your back. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Just don't make he- any Tesla doubles. No, yeah, that'd be that would make uh uh Thomas Edison very mad. <laughs> His descendants will haunt you. <laughs> yeah. Well, already. Have a good one, listener, and thanks for snobbing with us. Fairly well. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.